Kings Way Online, um, just welcoming you to my living room today. Uh, we have a baptism service this weekend, and uh, excited. There's uh, five people getting baptized, and uh, it's just it's super exciting. I hope that you'll take the opportunity to uh, log on later to our YouTube channel and have a chance to listen to their stories, and and maybe you are interested in being baptized. Uh, or just for wanting some more information on it, or just to chat about it. I, if it's prompting in your heart, please reach out to me, mark at kingswaychurch.ca. I'd love to sit down and chat with you more about it. So, you know, I want to say thank you to Gary for sharing last week that message, Cannonball, and just, again, bringing light to that, to that story of the man who for years had been waiting for a healing and watching the, you know, just how amazing Jesus uh, is and, and was in that moment. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, we've been talking about a, a portion of scripture that Paul wrote to uh, this um, gathering of Jesus followers in a place called Philippi. And before we get into that, I just wanted to ask you, because uh, this, this question, do you ever, do you ever find yourself um, grumbling, complaining, you know, I've been been mulling over this in my own life for the last number of weeks, probably over a month now. Just the, just how easy it is to, to grumble and complain. Um, or maybe you're the opposite. I was reminded of a story they would often tell in leadership, um, leadership conferences about a guy named Mike. I'm not sure if it's a true story or not. I, I, I kind of have my doubts. But Mike was one of those guys, like, he just loved to hate. He's the guy who's just always got the best attitude about everything. And so there was just one coworker of his who went up to Mike and just said, you know, how you doing? And his famous line was always, you know, if I was any better, I'd be twins. And uh, his coworker asked Mike, how, how do you maintain that level of positivity? He's like, it's, it's just not normal. And Mike just simply responded and said to him, no, no, I choose. I choose this. Every day when I wake up, I, I have the choice of whether I'm going to be in a good mood or a bad mood. So I just choose to be in a good mood. And when things go wrong in my life, I choose to, to look at it as either I can be the victim or I can choose to learn a lesson from it. I just choose to learn a lesson. And I've, I've made my I've made the, the decision so often, it's almost like it's second nature to me now that I just choose to be in a good mood. And it says that uh, that kind of stuck with him. And after his coworker had left the uh, company they worked for, it was a communications tower company, he uh, heard shortly after that Mike had actually fallen from one of the towers and had, uh, had broken his back. And as he was um, laying on the ground there, uh, the, the, he had, had to go for surgery and everything else. Well, his coworker came to visit him in the hospital, and he saw him there, and he asked him, he's like, you know, Mike, what's... Uh, what happened? And he's like, oh, man, I felt like 60 feet. You, you want to see my scars? And he says, he's, no, 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 I don't want to see the scars. He's like, but, but how are you really doing now as he's laying in that hospital bed? And, and Mike just gave that account of the story of when he was on the ground that the paramedics had rushed to him. And he said, you know, when I saw them and they were working feverishly over me, he's like, I could see they were intent on saving my life. And he says, as I got to the hospital, he says, I saw the doctors and nurses and they were, they're all looking at me. And he says, I could see the look in their eyes. They, they, they were like giving up before they started. And as they, uh, they, they were asking, he says, this one big burly nurse was asking me all these questions. And she asked you know, this one question, are you allergic to anything? And he says, he says, I just, with all the, 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 the energy I can muster, I just shouted out, yeah, I'm allergic to gravity. And he says, he's, he saw the smiles on uh, the doctor's sort of shocked faces. And he, he said to them, listen, I'm not dead yet. So don't operate on me as if I'm a dead man. Operate on me as if I'm a, a living because I'm going to live. And he had said that too. He was motivated by, you know, the, the birth of his upcoming daughter. But he's like, in that moment, just choosing to choose life. And that story, whether it's true or not, 
it's inspiring to, to me. I, I feel like it's, it's probably inspiring to you as well. And we think about, uh, you know, that old, I forget which, which ad it was, but it was like, be like Mike. And it was be like Mike Jordan. And, you know, this thought about, well, be like Mike. And, and when I think about this sometimes, I'm like, I'm just not like this guy. I find myself too often in the other spot where there's that, that grumbling and complaining and murmuring kind of attitude. And it's about all kinds of different things. And so I just want to take a look at this letter that, uh, and continue looking at this letter that Paul wrote to the believers in Philippi. We learned in the first little part of it that he had called them to be unified. You know, remain unified and think of others as better than yourself. He went on to tell them, have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had, that, that he, he gave up everything in heaven to lay down his life in obedience to the Father in order that we might have salvation. And uh, last week, we, or two weeks ago, we talked about how God's working in us. He's working something in us, and the call for us is to work along with him, to work out our salvation with just an awe, a a fear, a respect, a reverence for who God is and what he's doing in our lives. And so I want to pick it up here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, a verse that I've wanted to get to for a number of weeks, and it is this. Do everything without grumbling and complaining, or do everything without complaining and arguing. You know, when he says do everything, he's basically saying choose to live. Choose to live your life without grumbling and without complaining. That thought of you get to choose to do it. He's writing to to a group of Jesus followers, but I find it's so easy for us to react to things going on in our life rather than respond in a way where we're we're choosing, you know, not to grumble, not to complain. You know that word complaining, it's it's actually this word murmur murmuring. And I remember, you know, a couple, maybe a month ago, listening to a message from West of Reese over at Sweets Corners. And if, if you can find, uh, find is well worth listening to, but talking about how, how the children of Israel, they murmured and how that word murmur, if you get a bunch of people saying murmur, 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 it, that's what murmuring is. It's, it's, the, you know, I, 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 I realized too, that the older I get, it seems like the more people around me are murmuring. It's either that or I'm losing my hearing, but I always have to ask people to repeat themselves. Sometimes it seems like that, that is the language of teenagers. It's, uh, and uh, I, I think back to my own, you know, teen years, and yeah, that was always, always the case. But it's, you know, the murmuring that he was talking about, it's, it's this, this, this low sounding, you know, t- t- uh, negative, grumbling tone of voice. Uh, it, the thing is, it never leads to anything good. And, and when um, Paul was writing about this word murmuring to these Jesus followers, you know, he was an expert in the, in the Jewish stories. He would have he known about the children of Israel, his people, the nation of Israel. You can read in Numbers 14, but they had been set free from Egypt. They had been set free from slavery, and they were like on the doorstep of the promised land. That God had said, man, I'm going to give you this amazing land, and they're almost there. And as they get, to the, they get to the doorstep of it, they realize that there's giants there and it's not going to be a cakewalk. It's not just going to be as easy peasy as they had thought or as that they had hoped. And what happens? Murmur, murmur, murmur. And the murmur begins to spread through the people. And as a result, they get together and the murmur always leads to more negativity. And as a result, they sit around and say to each other, well, you know what? We would have been better off if we had just stayed slaves in Egypt. And I don't know if they even thought about what they were saying, but the, there, there was nothing in Egypt that made them want to stay there. It's why they left in the first place. It's the, the first opportunity they had. But it's like, well, no, we want to go back. It was, it was better back there. And then you know, that murmuring led them to this, like, this unthinkable where they gathered together and was like, you know what, Let, forget it. Let's kill Moses. Let's kill Aaron. Let's choose a new leader. We're going to go back on our own. This, this murmur leading to, to potential murder. 
there's never anything that good that comes comes out of murdering. You know, Paul's writing this to the uh, to the Jewish um, or to the Jesus followers, sorry, in Philippi, and which tells me if he's writing it to Jesus followers, then I, I, I can see that it can happen to Jesus followers today. You know, and I I see that. I think that when Jesus followers who've been set free from slavery to sin, set free from the condemnation, you know, that we would face because of it, we've been set free with an eternity. The gift of eternity with Christ has has been promised us and that we're journeying through life on the way to that end. But it's not always easy and it's not a cakewalk and there's trials that come. There's suffering that happens. And it's in those moments where now we have the chance to choose. Will I allow that to cause me to, to murmur and complain and like, God, I thought it was going to be easier than this. And it, because it's not easier, and it, it just leads to, 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 to more negativity. The murmur mill is like, um, is, is, is churning. How about you? But, and there's lots of opportunity for that in our lives. You know, I read about that, that second thought, you know, don't, don't murmuring and, and complaining or arguing or disputing. It's actually speaking of an inner thought process. You know, the murmuring's outside. Everybody can see when someone's murmuring. You can't hear what they're saying, but you know they're, they're not happy. But this is also talking about that inner thought that nobody else can see. But it's that, that inner argument you have with yourself about things that are going on. And, and uh, it's like you're divided inside. It's actually this type of disputing argument, argument on the inside that, that gives the mechanism of power to unforgiveness. It, it ever, ever will... Um, wondered why you hold a grudge or you know somebody who does or maybe you've had one yourself and you think you know you, you have this this argument on the inside the other person's nowhere around sometimes they're like long dead and yet they're still in that mind because it's that 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 argument that conversation that divide that you have inside of yourself and and, and paul's writing to them and saying well, you know what choose to live differently choose to live without those kind of things in your life you know i think if we slow down and just think about that as we've just have done for a minute here. I don't think any of us, any of us wants that to be the descriptor of our life. I don't think any of us wants to be like, yeah, I mean, I want to be known to be like the gold medal winner in murmuring. You know, the, we, we, we don't. We want the, the opposite. We want the opposite in our lives. But how do we do that? You know, how does that, if we want that, and I know for myself too, it's like, how do I, how do I choose not to murmur? I think Paul unintentionally gives us some good indicators of how to do that in our lives with the following verses. So what does he say to them? Do all things without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. He says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So think about those words, and I just slowed down to read them. It was just like this idea of choose to live differently. You get, you get to choose. So, so choose to live a clean, innocent life in Christ. And how do we get to choose that? Well, simply because Christ laid down his life for us and he cleansed us. That, you know, as we think and even celebrate this weekend with baptism, that, that our old man was left behind. That that past, that that's gone. He's raised us to new life with him. Sin's no longer our master, he writes. Uh, Paul writes in Romans 6 and just says, you have a new master. And if you just decide to give yourself, offer your whole self to, to God, you'll realize that it leads to these acts of righteousness, these acts of right living. And uh, that you get to choose. You get to choose to live in the power of what Christ has done. And then he says this. He says, choose to live that way. Choose to to, um, live clean, innocent lives as children of God. 
Have you, have you really let that sink in what that means? That as a Jesus follower, you're a, a child of God. We sing the song. I mean, Jordan sings it fantastically. I am a child of God. You would have heard it at the beginning of this, uh, this video on our kids ministry uh, thing of I am a child of God. And we think, ah, oh, it's so cute for the little kids. But have you considered it for you? What does that mean for you? And what does that mean for me? You know, I, I try to be a good parent and take care of the needs of my kids. But I see others around me who are great parents. I, I look it up to some and I was like, man, they just, they would do anything for their kids. They, they, they drop everything when their kids need something. They, they, in a good way, they are great, great parents. I just wonder, what would a perfect parent look like? I mean, man, a perfect parent would do anything and everything for the good of their child. Like, that's our Heavenly Father, the God of this creation, the God of this universe. He's welcomed us as his children to have him as our dad. Oh, I don't know about you, but that just makes, brings a smile to my face when I think about it. Just a genuine joy thinking about the fact that we are children of God. Did you, re, did you realize that he thinks that way of you? And then Paul says some live as children of God, but live as bright lights shining in a dark world. Live as bright lights. You know, the world does look dark. And it's progressively getting darker. That's, that's what happens. That's, when he talks about crooked and perverse, it's like that idea of twisting and distorting. Everything good that God made, it's like sin just is wrecking it, distorting it. Like anything that was amazing is no longer. And it's just getting worse and worse, more convoluted and depressing as things go, go on. That's the effect of sin on the planet. You know, Paul writes, um, and he just says too, that the whole the whole creation is groaning under the curse of sin. It's almost like our whole planet is, is feeling the weight of it. And we see it in humanity and we see it in nature and we just we see it, see it everywhere. You know, that twisting and that distorting happens in people too. You know, when we choose to go down the road of sin, it, it just brings more and more damage. That allure of happiness is always one step away. And it's like as we go down that path, we get more, more empty on the inside as a result. You know, Andrew Peterson wrote a worship song called, Is He Worthy? And it starts off with these kind of like negative sounding words. He says, do you feel the world is broken? And the response from the audience is, we do. He's like, do you feel the shadows deepen? Yeah, we do. But he says, but do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? Yeah, it's dark. Yeah, the shadows are growing. But do you know that that darkness can't stop the light from getting through? You know, that's what I think Paul is saying here is don't allow that darkness to get you down. Don't, don't focus on all the things outside there that cause the murmur mill to go and the complaint factory to start, you know, churning out on the inside. He, he reminds them and us that you are actually a part of the solution to that darkness. That the murmuring does nothing but you shining as a bright light does something, does something. You know, I'm reminded of the words that Jesus said in Matthew um, chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. He says, you're the light of the world. You're the light for the world, that, that they might see your good deeds. And as a result of that, it would shine light and point people to him, that they would see him as a result. And, 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 and sometimes, you know, that realization that light is illuminating the problem. You know, that as we are in the world, it, it can illuminate that. But sometimes it's simply just creating a, an opportunity for others to see the goodness of God. Sometimes we need to hold the light for someone else. 
I know uh, when we were hatching eggs and, you know, halfway through the process, you have to take the eggs out of the incubator and candle them. And it's like, you know, you just need an extra hand. And having my kids down there sometimes to, you know, either hold the light for me or hold the egg while I hold the light. It, it's that, that same idea that they have a chance to see what's going on or to, to see. And for others, it's holding the light so that they can see the direction to God because they don't see it anywhere in the darkness around them. You know, when the murmur mill's going and when that, that inner dispute is raging, you know, there's some things to consider. As we've just seen, sin's not my master anymore. That, that God calls me his child. That, you know, Romans, it says that, that he's called us his friend and that, you know, we are the light of the world. Things to consider, things to think about. And I, and I encourage, you know, and I even found in my own life, as I choose to think about those things first, it totally affects how, how I handle bad news when it happens in my life. And I think about those things. I wonder if you've thought about them, you know, that you're his child and that you really are free and that you are the light of the world. What does it do on the inside of you just to hear those things, even right now? And what would it do to focus on those things more than anything? Paul finishes with this thought, Philippians 2, verse 16, is where we want to finish today, too. He says this, hold firmly to the word of life. Hold firmly to the word of life. And then on the day of Christ's return, he says, I'll be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. You know, Paul reminds them just to hold on to the words of life. The word of life. You know, most of what, what causes us to murmur is the negativity that goes on around us. It's the bad things. It's the trials. It's the other stuff we don't like. It's the, that stuff that causes us to murmur. But the continuous reminder to Jesus' followers was that they would hold on to his word, that they would remain in his word. Think about, think about these things. You know, we've talked so often in the last little while about the early church was devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the word. They were intentional about being in the word. Why? Well, we see, you know, the writer to Hebrews says the word is living and powerful. It's alive and it speaks right to our hearts. You know, the, the, um, as Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, you know, all of scripture, it's God breathed. There's something different about these words than any others that have been written. This is God, God breathed. It actually, it, it teaches us, you know, shows us what's wrong in our life. It teaches us how to live what's right. It refines us. Sometimes it rebukes us, but it is for our good. And it is, it is from, from him. And then Jesus said, you know, in his final conversation with, with uh, his, his followers right before he was crucified, he, he reminded them to, to, to live, like abide, live in me and let my words live in you. As Jesus followers, we cannot live separated from his word in our life. And, that, and that's, that's kind of where the question comes up. You know, how is, your, how is your connection to his word really? Are you holding fast to the word of life? You know, the word of life is actually a picture of Jesus as well. You know, John, who was an eyewitness follower of Jesus, he, he as he began his, his uh, gospel account, he started with these words in, in a description of Jesus, that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then a few verses later, he says, and that, that Word took on flesh. The living Word took on flesh and dwelt among us, and we, speak, we saw His glory. He was full of grace and full of truth. But he saw that, that living Word being the very person of Jesus and to read about Paul and uh, what he wrote to the Colossians, he reminded them that as a Jesus follower, your life is all about Christ. He's, 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 you know, he continually said things that Christ is your life. Christ is all that matters. Let Christ rule in your hearts. It was all about him. It's about the word of life just taking over your life, taking over my life. 
And uh, you know what, I think if that's true inside, it really doesn't matter what's happening on the outside. You know, the more that I realize my life is about Christ, the less the things on the outside bother me. You know, the less the COVID and all the other things, the, the less that bothers me. And maybe it's different for you. You mean my leaky roof, all of those things, as I realize that my life is about Christ, there's an eternity compared to the temporal. It does something. Speaking with a friend of mine this week, he's going through the battle of his life, literally. And just, you know, seeing the hope that he has in the salvation in Christ. You know, as we sit there on his deck and we chat about that, you can see the, 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 the life and the light on the inside coming up when we're talking about that. And it's, you know, because there's lots of other things going on too with doctor's reports and all the other things that want to drag you down into the other spot. But that reminder to remain connected to the very word of life, the very person of Jesus. So last thought. Oh, maybe I should say this first, you know, um, just as Jesus followers, do you, do you listen to yourself? Do, do you like me sometimes hear yourself murmur? Hear yourself complaining, you, you're going down that path. You know it's, it's not leading anywhere good, but you're on the ride and you're, you're, you're taking it wherever it goes. There's a simple fix to that. There really is. That simple fix is just what Paul said, to grab hold firmly of his word and let his word grab firm hold of you. Grab firm hold of it. Let it grab firm hold of you. So how is your, how is your time in the word really? How is your grasp of his word really? Because it does make all the difference. Final thought. You know, the phrase hold tightly to the word. Some translations say hold fast the word. It actually has a double meaning. There's some that say hold fast to the word. And there's others that say hold holding forth the word of life. And I think that, to be honest, that both of those translations are accurate. The one is the hold tightly and the other one is hold it out. And I think that's true for all of us as Jesus followers. That we've been called to hold tightly to his word. That it is our life. He is our life. And, but out of that life, to hold that forth as a light to the world, that there's a, there's a light that shines in darkness and there is a life that, that is, is um, available for those without hope. You know, it's, uh, I think about what, what Paul wrote to Romans. And as we read this this week through the Bible plan, I just want to read this simply to you. Romans 5, verse 6 to 11. If you have your Bible, maybe go there and just take some time slowly to read through that uh, on your own. But here's what he says. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Somebody might die for a really good person. But I look at that and like, that's not us. You know, we're not really, really good if we're honest. But God, you know, people wouldn't do it. But God, he showed his great love for us. He demonstrated his love for us that while we were sinners, he sent Christ to die. And since we've been made right, past tense, we have been made right with God in his sight by the blood of Jesus, by trusting in him, not by our own works or anything we've done. It's by, what he, not by his sacrifice. He says he certainly will save us from condemnation. And then these final words, he says this in verse 10, for since our friendship with God, <laughs> think about that, our friendship with God was restored. It was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies. Uh, we'll certainly be saved. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Verse 11, so now we can rejoice. You know, when everything's going wrong around us, we truly can rejoice because we have a wonderful new relationship with God. 
You know, the Lord Jesus has made us friends of God. As I think about this, you know, the good news, there is good news that we can hold forth for those who um, really they're far from God. They're enemies of God. They're, they're lost in darkness. They're dead in sin. They're empty inside. If, if any of those words, descriptions describe you, can I tell you that because of his great love for you, the love that God has for you, he sent his son to pay the sin debt, the full debt, the full forgiveness for each and every one of us, that you can receive that, that he offers you a choice. That instead of being far from him, you can be close to him, close enough that he calls you his child and his friend. That when you were lost in darkness, he can allow his light to shine on the inside of you. That when you felt empty, he'll fill you with himself, his love, his forgiveness. That when you were once an enemy of God, he would now call you his friend. And he's the one who did it all. He's the one who did it all. He says, today is the day of salvation. He says, today I've set before you life and death. The plea is that you would choose life. That you would choose Christ that you would choose hope, that you would choose light, that you would choose life. I encourage you today, if that speaks to you, please feel free to contact us. But even better, would you just look up to him? Say, Jesus, I've lived my life my own way for way too long. It's empty. It's unfulfilling. I'm broken. If I'm honest, I know I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Jesus, I trust that I hear your voice on the inside to me. I'm answering that call today. I'll put my trust in you. Would you save me? Would you set me on a path of life and righteousness? Would you make me right with God? Would you fill me with your spirit? And I promise and commit to following you for the rest of my life. That is where it starts. But that is definitely not where it ends. As he begins to work in you, I encourage you to work out what he's working in to lead you. Maybe as a Jesus follower today, the working, the working in has been that reminder, that call to live without grumbling and complaining. And I encourage you to work that out, to get close to his word, grab hold of it tightly, let it, let it change you from the inside. Ponder what it means to be his child. Ponder what it means to be a light in this world. And let's, let's live that out for the world to see our truly great and amazing God. Can we pray? Father, thank you. Thanks for your word. Thanks for the truth that it, <laughs> oh, that it holds, that it never loses that truth. It's true as today as it was back then. It changes our lives just like it's changed lives for centuries because it's you. It's you. God, I pray for sensitive hearts today. I pray that you give us courage to live out what you're doing in us. Lord, And may we see Many, many people come to know you as a result of what you've done in our lives. Help us to tell our stories to bring you glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for spending some time uh, listening to this. I'd really love to encourage you to take a chance to to gather with some others and uh, to go over some of the discussion questions that we send out each week. Here's the ones for today. Number one, what jumped out at you today? What was something that jumped out? And uh, just to, to chat about that. What's he doing? What's he digging in your heart about? Then second, what things in life tend to make you murmur or complain? 
what are those things? Because I, I can promise you that, you know, the enemy, he never gives up. He's going to come and drop that same thing in your life every single time if he can. Because he knows the negative path will take you to a negative destination. And then finally, well, our third story, what does uh, being his child and what does being a friend of God, what does that mean to you? Like when you hear those things, when you ponder that, that you're his child, that you're his friend, that you're forgiven, any of those things. What does that really mean? And then, and then finally, how do you think you can be a light in, in, in today's culture? How do you think you can truly be a light in today's world? Uh, looking forward to, to someday seeing the fruit of these discussions in, uh, in eternity. Because to be honest, what you do today matters for eternity. So Kingsway, just know that I love you. And I'm uh, looking forward to, to growing together uh, with you in our pursuit of him and uh, his purposes. So have a fantastic week. We'll see you soon.